0: This is a Q Media production. I was more scared to say no. I didn't know you could say no. I was young. I didn't know you could go, no, I'm not good enough. And I was was too embarrassed to take that on because... It, yeah, it was like more people around me believed in me and I went, oh, okay, just work it out. Ray Morris is an amazing, she's a magician of a makeup artist. I had to learn makeup with one arm. I felt like I was at a disadvantage because I can't draw, can't paint, wasn't creative, didn't, wasn't that kid, exact words, does not have a creative bone in her body. I mean, you are an absolute mogul. You've got your books, you've got your brushes, you're a makeup artist to absolutely everybody. I had to work so much harder so much harder. And what drove me is not to be like my family.
1: Growing up as a tomboy on a Queensland farm. Truly one of the most talented creatives in the world. Did Ray, was she always, did she always set out to be a makeup artist of today? No.
0: Oh, oh I feel a bit, a bit like a fraud. Every makeup I do, my head talk, This is what I to say. Doing the shoot for Vogel Huppers, you're the worst makeup artist in the world. You're only here because no one else is available. I had therapy over this and I battled because I thought my whole career is built on an accident.
1: All right, Ray. Hi, Matt. <laughs> How good is it to be here? So, right, I'm so interested to get into your, your head, because- Oh, don't you, do that. I know, it's a little scary <laughs> to be honest, no? <laughs> no, I'm but scared. it's, I mean, from, I mean, if people just Googled you, they'd see a certain Ray Morris, you know, like they'll see your work, they'll see the awards, they'll see all this the shine and the glitter. But I wanna take us back to well, did Ray was she always did she always set out to be a makeup artist of today? How did it start?
0: No. All all I feel a bit a bit like a fraud. No, not at all. I was Tomboy, lived in Brisbane. Um, I wanted to be a vet, but I was dyslexic, failed school. I only went to grade ten.
1: You're dyslexic. Yeah,
0: pretty, yeah, pretty. But I didn't find out about. It. I got so many, so many funny stories of because I didn't read something correctly. Um, yeah, so I didn't know that at the time. Didn't know that till much later. Actually, working on set, I found out. And yeah, and I thought I wanted to be a vet didn't realize you had to do really well at school and become a doctor first. So I got a job in a hair salon on Saturday mornings, but I was only 11. Yeah, I know, I was 11 years old. And my mum worked at the gym next door. So it kind of worked out and I lied. They asked me how old I was and I just said 13. Um, Good guess. It's another lie. Yeah. Um, and I was there for two years. And on my 13th birthday, my mum sent me a birthday cake to the salon and said, Happy 13th. And the boss was like, Oh my God, I'm illegally employing you. Um, <laughs> you have to leave. So, yeah. And then uh, hairdressing kind of became because I've been doing it for two years, thinking I want to be a vet. It was like an accidental. I used to always play with hair. So I had a horse and I used to plait its hair, short. every toy doll my mum bought with hair, I used to cut it, color it, do it. So I think. I was obsessed in the industry, but didn't realize it at the time.
1: There were a lot of 11 year olds, playing with their friends and yeah. playing sport on the weekends. So were you after school going to work at 11 years old?
0: Yeah, yeah. Only Thursday nights and Saturdays though. Mm-hmm. And also it was a great time. It was the 80s. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was also makeup was and hair was uh, right around us, like Boy George and all the groups I was into, Kiss, all that. There was just so much. I think that influence was there all the time, but I didn't pick up on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was in around hair people, hair salons and loved it. Like I didn't see this work actually really enjoyed going to work so it was an accident that actually got into the industry and i actually became i finished school and then i became a hairdresser hated it hated it 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 was again if anyone's from my era in hairdressing in the 80s anything that moved had a perm streaks (laughs) highlights (laughs) that the horrific mistakes because i was so young when i started and I just acted really confident. So anything, I'll give you, I'll give you one story. So I did, (laughs) I glued on someone's eyelashes with nail glue when I first started. Mm-hmm. because I asked if I could put eyelashes on someone, and my boss said, sure, and she was having her nails done, and I asked what glue did use, and she said, to use nail glue, so I used nail glue. So I did – I cut people's hair off. I've done – I probably shouldn't talk about this. I should shut this down right now. <laughs> so I did <laughs> – dr- I did. I did hairdressing, and then I got really – I've got really curly afro hair, and I was really good at afro hair. And then, yeah, fate kind of happened when I was about 21. I was asked to accompany – an Australian model to a modelling competition in Istanbul,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then Naomi Campbell changed my life. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah.
1: So that's so. Before we go to that, there's a massive chapter. Yes. I'm just picturing, 11 year old faking being 13, 14.
0: Yeah.
1: Earning her own money. Yeah. Um, all the fr- what we so all your other friends. Did you have many friends in school? I, did you? It was
0: really odd because I I did, and I was kind of. I went to an all-girls school and, you know, you hear about bullying and stuff. And I think I was really lucky because I was the guy to cut all the kids' hair in the change room. I've got a picture of my grade one. I I know a lot of girls did this. They've all cut their own fringe. I mean, I'm sure all of us have got baby photos where someone or we've cut our own fringe. I've got a photo of I've cut everyone's. In the classes hair like everybody um so there's a photo yeah so i think we're a really young age hairdressing there must have been some attraction to it so yeah no i did and you know we we're around animals a lot and um i had school i was i think not popular but i would always just cut and do people's hair in the change room so mm. but then also because i worked part-time in a salon i had work friends that were a lot older so i had two groups and then what happened is my school friends became older, like I, I left in grade 10. Mm. Um, I started hanging around girls that were a lot older than me. Cause so I started doing my apprenticeship at 14, but obviously everyone else was 18, 19. Mm. And my mum and I actually felt more confident hanging around my hairdressing friends than my kids at school. So you didn't
1: come from wealth?
0: No, oh no, I lived caravan park. I lived in caravans most of our life. My dad was a builder, Vietnam vet, My mum, nail technician, became a bodybuilder, funny enough, got into fitness.
1: Yeah, I can see where that... Yeah, muscles
0: come from Yeah, you. yeah. Right. I, it's funny. I actually – I hate gyms because I, I – I, I'll give you an idea what coming home from school was like. Mm. When the Flintstones were on, I would come home and my mum would do like about a 1,000 push-ups a day, but she always needed more weight.
1: So you, so, you sit on her back? Sit on her
0: back. And <laughs> then she wanted more weight, I'd put my backpack on and sit on her back and watch the Flintstones for like an hour while she did – like was this normal, abnormally normal for me.
1: So that's really important to me to know because – Is it? it? So in – In our culture, in Australian culture particularly, America's different, but we we shit on people who have success. Yeah. Like, oh, we see Ray Morris or some other person who's got successful business oh, they must've been lucky or they might've yeah. just landed it. Oh, I bet their parents were rich or something like that. Yeah. So you're caravan part, dyslexic,
0: Yeah. Um, oh.
1: mom's a bodybuilder. Yep. You're, you're putting extra weight on a back foot push-ups. Yeah,
0: yeah. So and no, actually picture. another thing too, I got really severe carpal tunnels in my hands really young. So I actually had to stop hairdressing. I had so many operations. I've actually had 21 surgeries as of now. And um, it affected me a lot. And actually that's also how makeup happened because I couldn't, I couldn't write properly, I couldn't hold. I missed out on so much of school um, and I had it really, really young. It's completely fine now. I yeah. manage it. But, um, yeah, so I had that on top of me as well. But it never – it just for me, I think I never – I don't think I thought would dream big is the word. I never – I just went with what I could do at the time and I just kept following where it kind of went. There was no plan. And I, I hear about people having these goals and dreams when they were young. i just wanted to get through the week I think Mm. (laughs) um and I just was whatever was thrown at me I just dealt with it at the time and I just kind of went with it and I think my career thank God I got I became good at a great one a great positive industry um but yeah not what I thought it was going to be like that's Mm. for sure and it wasn't no it definitely didn't come from money or not at all
1: yeah I need to hear about how Naomi Campbell changed your life. So, what happened here?
0: Okay, so hairdressing, get sent to Istanbul. I was with an Australian pageant, Australian entrant. Um, and I make this very clear. It's probably three seconds of her life, Nomi Campbell's life, that she's never remembered. That completely changed mine. So I never thought I could do makeup. I can't. I can't draw. Still can't draw. I don't even do my own face charts, and that's really embarrassing to admit. Because um, I was a tomboy, so I wasn't into drawing or art. I failed art at school. Probably forgot to mention that one. I was removed from art <laughs> at school and put into accounting. The
1: makeup artist was removed from art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: still have that report card. It doesn't have a. Exact words does not have a creative bone in her body. <laughs> I still have that planted in my head. Um, yeah, true story. So yeah, I went there and I was just doing hair um, for this one girl. It's a huge pageant. It was called the Best Model of the World Pageant, which some of the biggest supermodels models have won and come from. And because I had not much to do, they just asked me to look after some VIPs in the judging room. And this is a time I know me Campbell. Cindy Crawford was there, Joni Versace was big. And Naomi Campbell's at the height of her career. And I was just terrified of her but also an awe and she was there with a makeup artist and I remember she had two, mob- two mo- she was smoking had two mobile phones big bricks yeah. <laughs> and something happened with a makeup artist and he just stormed out And there's people everywhere and she just sort of looked over and look to this day she might not have been looking at me but I thought she was and she went you lips and I rem- never done makeup in my life and I just didn't know how to say no. Like, I'm an anxious kid who just go, okay, whatever you tell me to do. And I remember looking over at the bench and there was like one lipstick that she'd already put on. It was like a clear lip gloss and she was really distracted. So I went, I'll just go in quickly then just move away. And I went in there and put clear lip gloss, that's all I did, and got photographed before the internet even existed. And that photo made it back to little Brisbane because I lived in Cleveland and it was a really big deal. And I got on the morning show when I came back that I was Naomi Campbell's makeup artist and I <laughs> lied. And I went, yep, yep, I was. I did that. <laughs> and then the worst thing but best thing. And then from that, I got asked to teach a makeup class. in this, this is really recent. This is why this all comes together. Um, during the school holidays. And when I did my hairdressing apprenticeship, we learned basic makeup, basic. And I thought school holidays, it's going to be kids, basic makeup. They used me, Naomi Campbell, to sell the class. So I've turned up expecting school kids. And no, it was ex or TAFE teachers who teach makeup wow. coming to me to refresh their skills. That's another story of how that worked out. But yeah, so a lot of accidents happened. And it's I'm surprised I'm still here. <laughs> Yeah, well, I am.
1: <laughs> if you look at your movie, if this was a movie, this yeah. is a chapter, and if you just push pause then, God knows what could have happened because, yeah. well, you've used that fame, that, that attention, to, be, and it's attracting all this stuff, and it's and it's challenging you to be able to go, oh, well, am, am I an imposter? Am I, am I good at this stuff? Imposter, big word. I use that. Yeah, it's in my head all the time. Yeah, so, like, it's... And you're saying that you accidentally landed here, like it's, mm. it wasn't a planned out things from when you were like a, a teenager. No. So when all that fa- like attention came from Naomi Campbell, mm. it didn't shy you away obviously from going, oh, this isn't really for me, that was a nice gig. That was a nice opportunity. I
0: wasn't confident, it's interesting, I wasn't confident enough, but you think it would be confident to do these jobs when you're not qualified for, mm-hmm. but I was more scared to say no. I didn't know you could say no. I was young. I didn't know you could go no. I'm not good enough, and I was I was too embarrassed to take that on because, it yeah, it was like more people around me believed in me, and mm-hmm. I went oh, okay, just work it out. And I think mm-hmm. my upbringing, you know, quite tough, and and it, things weren't easy, and house home, my home life was not easy, and I just you just had this natural you just. Get shit done, and you just do what you got to do, and just work it out. And so, I and I think it'd be if I was really good, if I was one of these kids that was great at makeup and could, you know, I, I've met these kids. I, I teach young kids makeup, and just see this talent that comes along. And and I get why they dream about being a makeup artist because they can see it. Mm. I didn't. I I thought I can't remember. I think the biggest thing I thought of doing was maybe if I had a salon, which I actually did end up buying a salon, getting a salon really young. That was my dream. I live in Cleveland and maybe get married and maybe do. I remember the dream was maybe do make up for Dolly Magazine. Yeah. That's wow. all. That was, that was it. I remember Dolly Yakta? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a dream. <laughs> then I got the cover. <laughs> then I had to move on and have another dream.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about dreams. And that's the thing about, well, there's a lot of romanticism around. A lot of our dreams, like mm. in especially our day and age, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, makeup artist, mm. some type of aspirational, whatever it is people are aiming for, it's like you've got to, there's a roadmap. We want to know the secret formula. Like it's, yeah. like, it's like, that's what I, that's why I asked this question, mm-hmm. Ray, because I know so many people think that there must have been some type of secret you've got to have gotten this you know what I,
0: this is the way i explain it to people it's like i feel i only ha- i had to learn makeup with one arm i felt like i was at a disadvantage because i can't draw can't paint wasn't creative didn't wasn't that kid tomboy um and i had to work so much harder so much harder and i don't have any other talents i can't sing failed school i don't have a lot of options (laughs) um and what drove me is not to be like my family struggling with money always fighting um very negative not a great upbringing and i just wanted anything to escape that and i think the great thing about makeup fashion hair there is a big escapism Mm -hmm. there's such a and it's also I, I really got to see how you could not fake things, probably not the right word, but how you can just roll things in glitter. Like mm. you can get to a shoot and something so... You can I, you can go to a shoot and everyone's having a bad day or, or I'm not having a great day and you get a great team of people and you're just creating images that just blow your mind. It was like going to this little fantasy world. And then I started... It took me a while and what really changed it for me, and this is, swear to God, what, what made me really believe I could... I didn't think I was good at it. And that's the other thing I... I talk a lot about passion it's hard to have passion for something if you know you're not good at it like i would love to be able to sing like you know like whitney but i'm not gonna have a passion for singing because i can't sing i still that would be a dream but it's it's unrealistic and i think you've got to be realistic but what really changed for me and this is a long story but it's why everything changed i started to get when i came back from namey campbell i started to get booked to do makeups and i'm talking teenage formal girls, which are really hard to do. Yeah. Um, so I learnt in a salon. I think that's where my training really came. I don't love it. I always say to makeup artists, learning on an 18-year-old supermodel is not going to teach you anything. You've got to learn on someone from eight, 18 to 80. Like, anyway, so in a salon gave me that great environment. And then I thought, I've actually, I had had no makeup training. I better do a course. And in my makeup kit, I had these little pictures of my favorite makeup artist in the world, but I didn't know his name. I just had these images and there were images of David Bowie and were Ziggy, Ziggy Stardust and all these um, Shiseido, Shiramura images. And I was on a shoot in Queensland and this woman came up to me named Alethea Gold and she said, are you a, a fan of Richard Sharra? And I went, who's that? And she went, every photo in your makeup kit is of the same makeup. I went, I didn't, I didn't even know that. I just collectively did that. Mm. And she said, I'm his Godf- godmother. And I went, and he teaches makeup. And he's in Sydney, and I went. Oh. So I rang this. So this man's colorblind. He did Ziggy Stardust. He's completely colorblind. He invented. I've seen the sketches, a lightning bolt, all of that. He was very famous for the Robert Palmer "Girls and Guitars." That make, he's just iconic. Yeah. And I rang him. He doesn't take on. I was one of his last students, and I remember going to him for a course had to use two credit cards and stay in a shithole to do it. Didn't know anyone, had to have a model every day. I was walking on the street to get a model, did this course. And look, there's a lot to that. But just in summary, on the second last day, I just thought I was the worst makeup artist ever because everything I did wasn't right, wasn't good enough. And I just burst into tears. And he said, "Um, I've got something to say to you. And I said, what? What? And I said to him, look, I, I really appreciate your time. I was actually going to cut the course short because wow. I felt I was wasting his time. And he mm. said, no, I've got one thing to say. You're the best makeup artist ever to walk in this door. You're packing and stuff and you're moving to Sydney. And I went, what are you talking to me? It's <laughs> like, not happening. And that's, again, that was another moment that um, I, and I think a lot of people who did his course never lasted. They did walk out. But I think I was a bit, had a bit of toughness in there. I. And I did that. I packed my stuff, moved to Sydney. And so
1: David Bowie's makeup artist. Richard Sharry. We Google Sharon. him. Yep. Yeah, and everyone Google him.
0: He has passed, but he's worked. You'll see famous pictures of him and David Bowie.
1: So you're lucky to strike a lot with him. Yeah. A lot of people don't make the cut. They, they he goes, no, you don't have it. Yeah. Your belief system of yourself and your own ability was just I'm not good enough. I'm not meeting the mark. I'm mm. like
0: I still think that though. That's what's every makeup so do that, I do. So I still what, think that.
1: So what is this? because like, this is an interesting thing. This is a this is a little bit of a, a juxtaposition here. Like you're yeah. you're like I don't think I'm good enough. But constantly people are seeing you from the outside. You think mm-hmm. you're a four out of ten, and they're saying or oh, you're a nine. Mm-hmm. What's, what, what is that, do you think?
0: Depends who's looking. See, who you compare yourself to. Mm. And where where it gets tricky, people say this when you work with celebrities. They go, oh, my God, you must be so lucky. And it's so scary. And it's not the celebrity. I'm never scared of the celebrity. Oh, one, one I have been. We won't go there. Um, I've only got one bad story. Everything else has been amazing. But what it is, you know who else has done their face. You know, like I've worked with Pink. She's had Pat McGrath, Val Garland, like the world's best artists do their faces all the time. So the expectation, the other way I explain it in my job, it's like tomorrow you said to me, I want to play tennis, but you only want to play Wimbledon. So what you're saying, and this is what I like to say as an artist, when you're an editorial artist doing the high-end Vogue editorial, you are selected because you don't get paid to do those jobs. You're selected purely based on talent and ability. So in my head, I, it's bizarre, I don't pay attention to people. It's nice when people go, your makeup's amazing, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I listen to my favourite makeup artist in the world, like Pat McGrath, and I go, what would she say? And I, I used to think it was a negative thing, but it actually just makes me want to do it. But I've never done a makeup, and I, I've, people think it's negative. For me, it's not. I've never done a makeup like, that's perfect. I go, that's a bit out, that's not right. I couldn't, you know, it's just constant. And what's interesting, I've spoken to some of the world's best makeup artists and they all say the same thing. They go, is this our last job? Like, are we going to do this again? It's Mm. all subjective too. You can do a makeup that you love and people hate. So it's a bit of a mind. And I think what keeps you going is you keep getting booked for the big jobs but the level of of how, how I, people don't always know this, but difficult, I get booked for difficult makeup. If you look yeah. at my portfolio, it's not a lot of, it's tricky, it's hard. Then you've got to put cameras and film and filters and personality. Then, be, like, I'd say being a makeup artist, being good at makeup's 40, 20, 20% of it. Maybe 40. I'd say 20. Let's go 30. The rest is counseling. What do people want? Taste, can't teach taste. Psychology, who's on set? Where's it going? Is it going print? Is it, film (laughs) here um so i think that's also why i have succeeded but yeah it's interesting i don't know i I don't want to feel like what i'm trying to say is don't always wait to feel that you're amazing at something because i you know i say this to kids all the time people think i'm really confident i'm not every makeup i do i'm like i'm really shit this is not gonna go very well it's gonna be horrible but -hmm. when it goes well it's it's great but yeah i I
1: love that you the big C word is comparison to this. Yeah, all because about who you can be yourself. Because I, I feel like that's it, because we are all judges. Yep. So everyone says, oh, don't judge, don't judge. Oh, we but do. We, we do, mm. and we judge it all the time. We have to, it's built into our mechanism of surviving and thriving, right? Mm. But it matters if you're a fair judge. Yeah. And it matters that perfection is the greatest killer of one hundred percent of anything. <laughs> so hearing you say that I'm perfect is not the goal, it's very oh, okay. and it's where the artistry comes in because art can't be measured like analytics where, where with a perfect score with an average with this or not mm. and yeah i think that's really important because i think so many people think they need to be perfect and hence we'll, we'll get into the next section mm. like in the second half of our interview will be like about perfectionism you know about these things so so just just lastly like what names can you rattle off that you've worked with that? have been really interesting over your career?
0: Pink, definitely. Kelly Rowland, definitely. Daryl Hannah. Cindy Lauper, interesting. Um, she taught me a lot, though. Um, what she teach you? Uh, uh, patience. <laughs> um, I remember she booked me and I opened the door and she said, I booked you because I think you're awesome, but also because I can train you. And did she train me? Yeah, she taught me a really interesting trick. She I was doing it for Morning TV and she told me to put black smoky coal pens and she's, you know, in her late 60s, six mid sixties, sorry, around her eyes. And I'm like, you don't do that to people. Like, you can't because it makes people look older. And mm. she said, no, on screen, when you use black smoky matte colours, it erases every wrinkle in film. And I didn't believe it. And she was right. So she she taught me a trick or two, that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I've got I've got a really can I tell you a quick yeah, per- yeah, perfectionist yeah. story? Yes, please. So Again, back to the loop, leaps of my career. I was doing Dolly Bridal magazine, so happy, thinking, "Oh, this is the best thing! I'll move back to Brisbane. I hit the peak of my career." And I was doing a Telstra ad with a girl, a model named Rosie Tupper, who's now a famous artist. And I was airbrushing her for a really boring makeup job for a Telstra commercial. And my air gun blocked up and just exploded. I just, sorry, the job had finished, and I was playing with something. The photographer said, "You want to do a little shoot?" So I was airbrushing, and the and I hope I'll give I'll show you the photo. My airbrush exploded, and she it literally the air hit her eyes so fast. She went ah, <laughs> and this paint just went on her face, and she just opened her eyes, and it was just in oh my god, it was just this moment. <laughs> I couldn't have done that by hand. And then another thing that I did accidentally, which I shouldn't have done, but glad I did. I thought this this shot's going to be amazing for a magazine overseas. I didn't know you're not allowed to send them without permissions. So but I sent it to a magazine called Tank at the time, the coolest magazine. Um, and it got the cover, um, which made me global. Um, but I had therapy over this. so I go to therapy, I won't say I don't. And I battled because I thought my whole career is built on an accident. And it really used to eat me up inside. And he told me a story that changed my life. Mm. He said, "There's a and I can't quote the exact, because my memory's bad, I can't quote the exact artist, but it was for the Louvre. Someone created this amazing sculpture in Paris and had to be taken to the Louvre in the early, mid-19, I'll find out the exact names. Anyway, as it was picked up, he'd spent 10 years working on this, it was picked up and as it was moved, it was dropped and it was an amazing glass case and it shattered. Everything shattered. And he ran to the Louvre to look at it and he looked at it and he stepped back and he went, now it's perfect. And what I've learned is seeing a mistake, when a mistake is amazing, what you don't do is amazing. Like Mm -hmm. that's what I've, perfectionist, I love things that are not perfect, which is great, thank God. (laughs) Mm. Um, So yeah, it's, yeah, there's so many ways you can look at this industry.
1: I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. My name's Dre. I'm from Q Media. The number one question we all need to be asking ourselves is this. Why should anyone choose you over your competition? Everyone offers a similar product or service. So how will you make yourself stand out? We work with some of Australia's top brands and personal brands on building their relevance and credibility through things like podcasts, campaigns, social media marketing, and personal branding strategies. The first step you can take is to reach out to us via our Instagram or website, qmedia.com. That's k-y-u-media.com. Or come to one of our workshops. Now, back to the episode. So this is the the photo that was the big airbrush problem.
0: Caught my one hit wonder. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. Started it all.
1: Yeah, so, what, so tell us where these, um, what is this uh, feather stuff? Happening? So
0: what happened was, so that's after the accident of the airbrush gun and in the corner was like this crappy bag of old feathers from Spotlight. And I thought, oh, I'm just gonna stick them on the forehead. And then the earrings the stylist was wearing and I went, the earrings look like they were the stencils for under the eye. Oh, and I called it Mothman Prophecy and I did a whole series because the night before I saw this movie called Mothman Prophecy and there's these moments where moths hit the windscreen, they changed colour. So I actually did a whole series and that became, um, oh, there's so many good stories around this shoot. Uh, Andrew Lesney, DOP, Lord of the Rings, King Mm -hmm. Kong, he bought the whole series and booked me for a job and I turned up to his house and he's got, the whole series on Ooh, the wall, wow, yeah, so same.
1: You ne- yeah. you never know who's watching.
0: I know, right? You never know who's
1: looking at you. No, um, that's, it's pretty powerful. So, Ray, like, talk us through. So, you done make it for Pink? Who else have you done make it for?
0: Hugh Jackman, Miranda Kerr, Catherine McNeil, every pretty much Australian supermodel. Delta Goodrum. Um, Jessica Malboy, oh, my favourite, no. I love her, I oh, love her so much. I work for her for free, just don't tell her agent that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, there's like, I think every Australian, I mean fashion's mainly been my thing, so I've directed over 150 fashion weeks. So yeah, I don't think there's many Australian models I haven't worked on.
1: And what, what do people get wrong about being pretty? Because there are so many people out there that think they're not pretty, and mm-hmm. their life goal is to get as close to those people that you yeah. mentioned as possible
0: interesting look to be honest their lives are easier in some way i've just seen it i you know doors open you know invitations all that kind of shallow stuff but i um there's a lot of problems that come with that is to they're very young um thank god the industry is changing um girls that we meet on meet with Um, they're sent in an adult world very young. They get flown all around the world, it's lonely. And look, so many girls being pretty covers up a lot of problems too. So we meet a lot of girls that, you know, I I think being a mum now, I'm a little bit more open to it as well, but there's a lot of mental mental health issues. Weight, the big thing, Um, being criticized all the time. I mean, even myself on set, I've had to many a time pull up photographers when we're shooting a girl, she's 18, 19, and even though they're saying positive things, but five metres away behind a screen, people, are, ten adults are talking at a screen. And to a young girl, they just take all that in. Mm. Um, and it comes out somewhere else. So, you know, and it's, again, comparison. So, yes, I, you know, my, I have a daughter and I will not let her go into the industry. I don't want her to go into the industry. I think it's very different. It is a little bit different now. It'll take a lot of convincing. Plus I have to be there right by her side and I want her at least over 25 mm. and I'll pick everyone she shoots with. Um, but, yeah, look, being pretty from the outside, but, I, you know, a lot of pretty girls aren't always pretty too when they're not kind or, mm. you know, it's, it's such a it – also too, people always say to me, you must get really insecure because you work with supermodels. I'm the opposite because I see – how much work i mean for that one shot you see in a magazine we have done six hours hair makeup best starting best lighting best i mean best lighting can make my dad look like kate moss i mean it's your, amazing your dad. yeah that's how <laughs> lighting changes mm-hmm. and you can sit with filters now like it's, it's true yeah right it's just a false world that it will never make you happy there's you know it's sure it might be great for a moment and it might Help this part but there is so much more to being a human and i've been i've met a lot of unhappy beautiful people
1: yeah and i think Mm. it's making it starts from the top down in any if you're in a business or if you're on the top of the culture mountain everyone who aspires to get to the top obsesses around perfectionism Mm. so it's perfection comes in many forms so it could be billion dollars if i got a million dollars or or, or a million dollars if i've got a hundred thousand dollars or it's a size eight if i'm a size 10 Mm. and it feels like whatever i am i'm not enough Mm,
0: isn't that sad
1: what do you think of that like it's
0: it's the biggest meaning of life contentment and also be careful what you wish for Mm. because you know what like even with my business now like there's days where i go could i just stop right now and just go back and um, you've probably heard that fisherman's story. That there's a yeah, movie. the Mexican fisherman. Mexi- yeah, yeah, yeah. Just about being careful because at the end of the day, we're doing all this to get what? We've just got to feel whole inside and that can take a lot. of. And sure, to si- I always think to find what piece of the puzzle is missing for you because you could be really happy with how you look but maybe you're struggling mentally or financially or in a relationship and i think at the end of the day it's getting back to being really kind to yourself and being really good for me the goal in life is being kind
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that's and, and being kind to people who don't deserve it like it's that to me like there's i think you got to also shut off the the world of social media and if it doesn't make you feel good like I think it's amazing but it's how you look at it what do you need have really good people around you um but yeah it's it's I don't know what the question is now I'm just ranting no
1: it's true I think I don't think people think that they are good enough the way they are hence shown through for example something you posted today something around there's something wrong with getting old yeah or looking at your age
0: I do not want to be 18 years old again. I'm in my 50s and I'm so happy i mean I look back and go, the shit you we dealt with being young and hormonal, and now with social media, and and stop shaming people like it's a bad thing to age. It just get, it infuriates me. Um, and I've also, um, I mean, you know, when I was a young makeup artist, we were booked to do the jobs that we do and I still get confused why... An 18 year old sells perfume for a catchment age of someone. I still don't understand that. And I was just having a conversation earlier about, you know, they talk about um, inspiration, and and I still don't understand why someone so young, so retouched, so over um, edited inspires somebody. I don't know what it's inspiring. This is a good point because
1: everything, we're talking about comparison and judgment a lot. Yeah everything is, has got a baseline or a standard. Mm-hmm. So we're basing it off this gold standard. And it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's young people mm-hmm. that are the cornerstone of mm-hmm. what you need to be looking like, even if you're seventy.
0: Do you think though, do you think it's anti-productive? Do you think, because sometimes I think people also use it as a weapon and excuse. I can never be that, so I won't be anything. Mm. I think there's a bit of that in there. I mean, we've got to be mature enough Especially if you're older, to know that if you're comparing yourself with an 18, you are never going to be happy. Like, you're never going to be happy. Like, fine. I always say it's about looking good, feeling good, healthy, um, mindset, being calm, but, you know, being comfortable. Like, looking, I hope my daughter looks into a mirror when she gets spotty skin or whatever and just is happy and content. Mm. You know, mum has got a cream for that. I can help with the spots. It's great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah it's but you know but also too i also think the only place a lot of us had places to escape world or for having was movies or magazines mm. what else did we really have mm. now so when all you have is hollywood movies and you know it's very i think it's what we've been surrounded with so you've got to be very careful what you look at
1: so what advice would you give to somebody who is younger mm-hmm. but feels that when they get older they're toast versus and also you're older and you feel like you need to be 18 again yeah because you're toast if you're not
0: yeah there's something inside you've got to enjoy the now you just you've got to that's the key to life all the searching and all the things that you're going to do your goal in life is to be as content as you can be with today you can i mean i know i hear when i was younger and i hear older people speaking oh my god because i couldn't relate I, I can't relate but if i talk to my younger self it's like you know, you're always gonna compare. Be careful who you compare yourself to. Be very careful of your own head talk. That's that's where the day like, listen to what you say. I mean, even as a makeup artist, and I had to I still have to make an effort. Every makeup I do, my head talk, honestly, it's so bad. It used to be you're the this is what I used to say, doing a shoot for Vogel hoppers, you're the worst makeup artist in the world. You're only here because no one else is available. But yeah, cut like this and I oh, this is and it took me so long to stop doing that so i think we've really got to stop comparing um and within with social media two people blame social media yes and no like i look at social media like before we had social media we had news agencies now i can go into a news agency and i can decide the magazines i pick up do you want to pick up inspirational ones mm. Or do i want to pick up ones that make me feel bad about myself which ones and instagrams you've got to like i brutally during covid went through and if something if I didn't feel authentic, if I felt I was being sold to, or mm. a, I just t- got rid of it. Just, oh my God, it's so much easier. Just gonna turn really off the noise. Comparison.
1: So, as a makeup artist, but like, let's get really, like, I wanna get in your head here. Do you think if someone wants to look beautiful, when they like, how does aging gracefully, what does that mean to you? What does it look like to you with taste? The ability you've got the ability with makeup because people have, they've got the ability now an option to use makeup or mm-hmm. Yeah, they can have their, they've got their own free will they can choose to get operated or whatever mm-hmm. it is these days. Mm-hmm. So what's what looks good? What isn't? What's yeah. what do you think? Where's, is there a line?
0: Healthiness, healthiness, healthy skin. Um, I my favorite wow moment with this whole plastic surgery versus skin happened to me. I have this awesome job that I probably haven't mentioned yet, but I teach and work with plastic surgeons. It's great to help more than male doctors, more than younger male surgeons, make women look more age appropriate. Because what was starting, and this will all come back to, to the answer, um, what was starting to happen is they were finding, when more women were doing this than men, So only reason I'm using women here. Um, if women, say a woman 45 got too much work done, she now doesn't look 45 and good, she looks a bit overdone, she looks like a really overdone 30 year old, not great, Or a 60-year-old who's trying to look younger. She never looked her age and healthy for it. So makeup, there's no rules. What I like, I'm never about making someone look younger. Making yourself look healthier, you naturally will look younger than your actual age that's Mm. where you want to go. Makeup's an art form. If you want to wear blue eyeshadow and purple, like people, I get asked this all the time, Ray, what happens if a bride wants you to do really bad, nasty 80s? makeup i go i'm gonna give them the best bad 80s makeup they (laughs) have ever had Mm. and work with features and stuff but um so with makeup though what i always there's there's makeup that can actually make you look older so that's what i'm all about so if you don't want to look older see simple things shimmer and shiny stuff and pretty glittery stuff looks great on social media but actually highlights lines so what I like to say to women, don't, don't ever follow a trend. The best advice I can give anyone is find someone in your age bracket, really important. Give will take five years, but in your age bracket, same skin and hair coloring, and find someone who walks the red carpet at things like Khan Academy Awards, really tasteful, elevated, and follow their lead. Even if you look at Angelina Jolie, she has two makeup looks. They're timeless and they work. And, you know, if you do wanna wear yellow glittery lipstick with brown glittery, great. But it just, it's a really nice guide to help you. Don't ever follow trends, ever. No one's ever gonna walk up to you and go, oh, I love that makeup, that's really in trend. they will do that with clothes and hair. But make I used to get asked to do trend forecasts. I just refused to do it mm-hmm. because red eyeshadow is gonna make, make most people look like they've got conjunctivitis or they're tired. Um, so this is things I just think if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Keep it simple um, and just have healthy skin. Like talk one of my pet hates, and one, one thing I don't like is seeing with women more so than men is too much foundation. A skin's an organ. Look after it. You have to look after it. Sunscreen, sunscreen, of course. But looking healthy, you know, you should get to a point where sunscreen, a tinted moisturiser, a little bit of lip balm, maybe mascara, and you feel great. That's all you need to do. Keep it really simple.
1: Mm, that's so good. Um, let's talk about Ray Morris, like the brand, right? So
0: I hate that word. Where I know. I? <laughs> well,
1: I know Ray. Uh, that's the first question <laughs> but, I yeah. had was, what's it feel like, and what is it like to be able to have your business the same as your name, your business name and your name together?
0: I get, it's conflicting, cause I, like, I've written makeup books, I've done four, I've done six technically, but I've written four, which they've made into different languages, and um, I'm, dyslexic, I'm dyslexic, so I wanna hear the word, all. I have to give myself a moment. And the brand, I think why it takes me a moment to connect it, I never wanted a brand, it never was meant it happened organically Um, i was never that person that wanted to have a retail. never that was just it just all happened accidentally everything has happened accidentally and i just go with it because i'm like this is interesting oh what's over here oh oh, what's that's good let's go to japan let's find a brush master okay let's do it so and i think going back to i know a question i get asked about key to success being really flexible and being able to do this is is a Really I'm not big on goal setting for me, it doesn't work for me. It's just being open to anything, and even if you think it's the most ridiculous, you never know who's looking at what you're doing and where something so random will take you.
1: That's so it's so counter cultural to what people say. And that's and it's awesome because you went from being a makeup art like a hairdresser to a makeup artist, and now it's a brand which is not just you can't just hire Ray out all the time. You can. Oh, you You can't, yeah. Yeah, call and, my agent. Yeah, call the agent <laughs> now. Um, no, but um, but you've got a line of products now. It's not just Ray, your time. It's mm-hmm. Ray products and it's Ray, what I mean by brand, it's its its own, it's like a vogue. It's like a, it, It's it's. this is like a premium stuff. Mm. And a lot of people aspire to have a brand like that. Yeah. They go like, how do you, when you can go on Alibaba, you can go on yeah. You sacrifice quality to be able to get, yeah. to look like people like you. Yeah. Um, that surely isn't an accident the quality piece right there's um, got to be some type of standard in you that goes yeah near enough's not good enough
0: and again it comes from confidence it's like being it's funny where it started I remember doing this and being so sensitive which I think a lot of artists are I just never want to be criticized I never wanted to ever like I could not go to bed if someone went oh she just copied that like it can end your career it really can mm-hmm. um how do you get be authentic how do you do the world's Best slip, like how do you do that? Then have a product that's not organic or authentic. And I don't want to have to put effort into ever selling anything. So, and I'm all I think too, when you want to do luxury, look, sure. I mean, there's many a times where my husband, who's the business person. We could just make this really easy and not put magnets and don't get. It. Yeah, we we could, but then I have to put so much effort. I I, I can't sell something. I just I'd be the worst person. Um, mm. yeah. And if it's organic and part of my craft, I think it's like a chef with knives. It's just tools that I use. Um, and I just have. I, I think it's a, it's a fear of. It, if you can't make it the best, it. I I think I say this to people with brands all the time. Um, I like to fix fix problems i okay dyslexic clumsy lose everything really like break everything so i'm always trying to find i'm obsessed with travel goods and i'm obsessed with stationery, and though i shouldn't be with the environment um but so i need to solve problems for myself so like with the brushes there was a problem and i need to fix it to make my life easier so if i if i can make my life easier I'm sure it just naturally made everyone else's life easier.
1: I agree, and I think I will say this to my clients: like when I build brands online for celebrities or mm. up and coming leaders and things like that, I'll never advise a strategy that I haven't guinea pigged on myself mm. as well. I know yeah. I've been there; I know what it's like, and it's solving my problems is the same as their problems. Mm. And do we have like your brushes here? Is there? Like, we
0: yeah, we do. Because this know. would be cool.
1: So. This isn't a plug, by the way, but this is this is a very um, like this is this is really fascinating to me because Come these these brushes you're saying about how you make you're solving a problem. Yeah,
0: I'll tell you what the yourself. problem what is was. It? So I've directed a lot of shows. So fashion week, it's fast paced. Um, it's crazy. Hygiene is a really big thing for me because you can't touch one person with one brush, one with another. And there was things out there like brush rolls and you wear them around your waist but when you bend over you bend all your brushes. And also I went, I remember my first um, Paris Fashion Week and I expect this amazing backstage, and no, it was tiny. The, the bench space was small and I went oh my god there's no space for brushes. The things that you use the most and the only other thing that we should put brushes into these canisters like little round things you see them all the time and you've got 500 blackheads staring at you and you you need that one brush I thought wouldn't it be great if you could just throw them down they just stood up hygiene they don't fall over I'm I when I was with L'Oreal I mean I used to go to events and I used to watch women in public nice clean public bathrooms touching up their makeup and they'd get a brush and it'd be leaning in hair that wasn't theirs I'm like oh I've got I'm real hygiene-natic so basically it's like I can't believe no one thought of it. It's putting a magnet, into, and it was not easy, um, a magnet into a brush. Um, the reason for it too is that I can fit two hundred brushes onto such a small bench base, um, and that you can hang them up to hang, hang them upside down to dry. But also traveling with them, when you've got really beautiful brushes, fine ones, if they get turned over in your luggage, they get shattered. Well, this holds them all straight. And I've also done smaller size ones and larger ones, so. But then that's not even who makes them, where the hair comes from, the master of craft we have doing it. It was just an idea um, that, again, like I said, I've surprised no one thought of it. So it definitely fixes a hygiene problem, storage problem, traveling problem. And before I released it, again, I'm sensitive. I was so scared. of. Is it amazing? I sent it to 10 of my favorite makeup artists in the world. And every one of them, bar one, because I understand she had her own brand, they all said, best brushes ever. I had Val Garland and Peter Phillips, who I idolize, post them on their page and the best brushes. So I organically knew that I had something here that was really special. And also their calligraphy based brushes, which take, give you an idea, top end makeup brush can take five to 10 steps to make one. Um, A calligraphy brush takes 60 60 to 62 steps to make, sorry, that's wrong. It takes 50 to 55 steps to make a calligraphy brush. My brushes start at 60 to 62 to make one brush.
1: Wow. Mm. That's incredible. Oh,
0: will pass it right Yeah.
1: What's this? Is this the travel one?
0: Yeah. This, again, problem solving. Okay, problem solving. So I need a mini one. You know what's interesting? Again, solving problems. I teach a lot of makeup artists, and even myself, I don't have a steady hand. People get surprised. That's why I learned to airbrush, actually, because I couldn't blend. And I, have you got children?
1: Yeah, I've got two Okay. Girls. How old are they? Four and six.
0: Have, you know when they start to draw with crayons, they hold them like that. They hold them from the back. Mm. Have you noticed that? They draw like that. And I was thinking, wonder why they do that. And it must be easy for them to hold. And I thought, so I had a couple of my makeup artists who used to shake. And teaching someone to do makeup near an eyeball when they're going like that is really scary to watch as a teacher. You don't want them to hurt someone. And i thought i just tried this experiment i got my brushes and cut them to the length of the kids that's a crayon and crayon exactly mm-hmm. and i said right hold it from the back the steadiness blew my mind like the control's incredible like you're holding it from the back it's like you've got two hands and the other thing too is you can rest your arm and move your face and the other thing is you i wear glasses you can get close to a mirror mm. so and also what why calligraphy brushes are so amazing is the way that they're built so they're built from a point down. And what it does, it cuts blending time. I would I would say at least 10 times, but you know, just to make it, my husband says, say it, it cuts it down at least twice. It definitely is more than that. I would say at least four times because what takes a brush, a standard brush 20 strokes to get black eyeshadow perfectly blended, mine's two to three strokes. Because the way call- calligraphy brushes are designed to be big, black paint on a white canvas so two things an artist has to know when that black paint hits the canvas hence why these are hollow built with like a violin another story vibration an artist has to know when so i cannot even look at the face and i know when that's touched an eyebrow hair. i can feel it through the brush and with the hairs built in that shape an artist can, with fine pressure, give you a hairline stroke, but with pressure, go from thin to thick, thin with no edges. So these brushes all become, one becomes three different sizes just from pressure. And the hair, it's a patentant, it's a microcrystal fibre. It's not even hair, it's a fibre with a cuticle. It's patentant, world's first. Um, and the hair moves like a sponge. You don't get flicks. There's just so many problems that it fixes. Yeah. So for me, it just helps my job and it was like it helped me and again i didn't want to sell them i made them just for me That's and how I think, it started. I think,
1: but right i think this is this comes only about thanks so much um i think this only comes about when you're in the trenches mm. I honestly think there is only insight that you can get when you're actually mm-hmm. in the trenches in front of people touching feeling hearing on the ground level in war right mm-hmm. And that came about because you're so in touch and in tune with, well, yourself and what makes you a great technician, but also this is a universal problem. Yeah. And I think the best ideas are universal. Yeah. Right? And you've just figured it, and it just happened to be, mm. well, no one's ever made a freaking magnetic but, but you've gone to the, and we don't have time again today, but you you share it a lot on your um, online, it's like the craftsmanships and Japanese sword making right Mm -hmm. is that right
0: yeah master of craft craft. the man who makes our brushes makes brushes for the emperor of japan he's the last living master of craft left alive in the world
1: it's incredible. so Mm -hmm. to to bring it home but like if someone to make a luxury brand Mm -hmm. surely what what's the cost of making a luxury brand
0: that word luxury is interesting because expensive doesn't mean luxury and luxury takes time Mm -hmm. luxury has a heritage and has time and has craftsmanship So I have people say to me, "I want to make something really expensive." It doesn't always make it luxury branding, positioning, language. It's more than just authenticity. Um, You know, it's for me. The words I like to use with my brand is innovation. It's gonna be first to market innovation. That's what I'm all about: solving problems because the industry is flooded with too many things. It really is. It's about if it's and also with solving the problem. The thing women find, I still talk to women every day of my life at any age, and they say they find makeup hard to apply, and that breaks my heart because what women put on their face every day. I want to make it easier, and getting more makeup won't make it easier, but getting, um, if you look at the difference between a makeup artist kit and our friends, the difference mainly is the amount of brushes, and there's something in that because tools change your life.
1: Mm. So that's a really good distinction between expensive and luxury. Yeah. So what things did you have to because in my mind there's a few things that come at play when you have a business one is if you want efficiency and you want quantity and you've got options and you want quality usually if you want to make things cheaper you know and all that quality is the first thing that Mm -hmm. goes away Mm -hmm. so can't have both so what's your standard then what's what what in your view is the standard you must have to be able to create a brand like yours
0: I think authenticity and don't do it for money which is going to be really I I don't have the business side I mean I think naturally it's there because I'm solving problems but our brushes are 18 times more expensive to make and some people might get surprised some brushes we actually don't make money on because they're that expensive to make Um, not doing it for money you know and if you want to start a brand sometimes you know if you make something luxury I mean I look at the car industry and this is gonna sound crazy that why do it I love it but there's a reason I know there's cars that McLaren make cars at the cost of money but it's also a springboard too so like you know there is things that I can bring out that are more cost effective you know that uh, you could do that later you can't go the other way around but luxury you can't do it to make money I hear brands that, and that's we're gonna have a side hustle as well. So if you want to do luxury, it's about longevity. You look at YSL and Chanel and all those brands, they weren't making money straight away. So it's a very it's a you're in it for the long haul, and you will you may not make money for 10 years. Like it's a long, you gotta survive, absolutely. But yeah, I, I feel luxury, it's just so expensive. Like to make one lipstick like one lipstick and it's not a luxury brand, a standard middle of the road, you need $50,000 if the product is exactly off the shelf that you want to produce one lipstick. You got to produce 5,000 of them, minimum MAQs, or the FDA's or the approvals. Um, I, I would even love to one day start some form of program to help people who want to build makeup brands because it, I just see, a million of them go broke, broke a week. So luxury is de- get yeah. What you
1: wish for you to yeah, have luxury. Yeah, it. It's like a <laughs> McLaren. I
0: don't think McLaren goes. I'm gonna make money out of this. You've got to hmm. yeah. Brand brands are different. Brands you can't sell. You can't always put into a package and go here. It is. It's an experience. How you talk to someone. Um, you don't do it for money. You just. I'm sure people are gonna say, well, why do you do it for? I actually love it. I love the fact that it makes my job easier. And we are going to expand, but. Yeah, you can't luxury and making money. It's a long term thing.
1: Yeah, and I love that because people get really confused. Because I'm in the di- I'm in marketing land. Yeah. So marketing land is to break it down for people. is like in, there's two forms of common marketing. One is direct mm-hmm. and through brand. So direct is how many Colgate uh, Colgate toothpaste ads have you seen? Buy one, get one free for yeah. None, right? Yeah. Or BMW. Here's mm-hmm. a fifty percent off. Yeah. That's direct marketing. Yeah. And with branding, it's it's uh, pain points and it's aspiration mm. and it's it's creating a a whole set of values of this what we could be, this is mm. the potential, this is what, it's almost like showing someone a mirror of this is your potential. Mm. And it's a living entity, it's a living thing, a brand. Mm-hmm. But it takes one shorter, because like if you go buy one, get one free, I'm sure you'll get some quick sales. Yeah. Yeah. But if you want to build an actual person like vogue or Mm. like your brand Mm -hmm. it time horizon needs to be longer
0: and also too it has to be a personal authentic thing because people want authenticity people can see through it well you
1: can't copy your authenticity i can cop i could buy your outfit yeah but I can't copy your kindness, like you're saying, and yeah. and your values inside the invisible parts of a house. Yeah. Are the most expensive.
0: And also that's a really important point too. Be the nicest person off social media. <laughs> you don't mm. know who's standing around watching you, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 interesting, like branding I mean, I just hope that People who, and if you're making something because you love it and it's fixing a problem, a brand will organically grow. It's, again, I think it's really important. Even at home, people say, to me, I want to start a business, what should I do? What problem do you want to fix? What annoys you? What's something that makes your life easier? Yeah, because if you, you want, want. it, yeah, someone one. else someone else is going to find the same problem. Oh, my God, we can talk about leads and, and travel and, and, oh, my God, all the issues I, I talk about with, like, makeup kits and cases and there's so many other problems. Um, I even talk about mics with leads, what? you know when we have the mics we're recording why doesn't someone make them all different colors so you can't see them on clothes so like, there's a problem let's fix it <laughs> and we give it a big
1: fancy word in business called innovation when yeah. you figure out the problem <laughs>
0: right yeah yeah. <laughs> fix a problem it's honestly there's so many problems in the world that can make people's lives easier
1: yeah one of the indicate one of the formulas people should begin with is if you can halve someone's time doing something that's a great business 100
0: percent make people's lives but it's like the apple thing you know make people's lives better happier even instagram i say that you they're gonna be entertaining inspiring or fix a problem. Mm-hmm. That's going to really help you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really true. Yeah. Now, I think that's really true of being kind because here's the thing, right? Imagine if the people watching this are like, their aspiration is, I want to be famous. I want to have a great brand. I want to be known by everyone. Mm. Wave of magic one that happens. If you're a shit person, mm. then how many shit people are going to come out in the comments mm-hmm. and be like, oh, yeah, I met him. Mm. He was a big jerk to mm. me. Mm. Or he served, I served him at coffee and mm. he, he treated me like I was mm. a dog. Mm. You know And... I've got clients who are, are celebrities, mm-hmm. and in the comment section, you hear DMs, or we see DMs pop up. And say, "Hey, I met you ten years ago, mm-hmm. and you 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 stopped and asked mm-hmm. me how my kids were," and and mm-hmm. they're the things that come forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman reminds me of. He's like that. Yeah, yeah, it seems like that kind of yeah. guy. Yeah, it's funny. I remember. I remember one girl. I won't mention her name. She's very famous. She's um well was international, not Australian. And she was starting a swimwear brand, and it was started and it was happening. And she came to Australia. I looked after, and she was so rude to people. It was just, and she was like, young girls are going up to her for autographs and stuff, and she just turn her back and be so rude. Oh. And I remember thinking that girl. When you bring out that swimsuit, that girl's not going to buy it. And I remember it was a little bit came out about how she started and it fell. And I, went, I reckon that's, you know, it's it's it just should want to be kind anyway. And I look in the fashion industry too, like, you know, you do get pretentious. And but again, it's reflection of you. Like, how do you handle that? They're having a bad day. They aren't feeling good about themselves. That that took me a long time to learn that because when you're young in this world, you know, tough, strong people, big personalities are around you. It's quite intimidating, but it took me a long time to go. But who can I be when that's happening? Hmm. Who am I? Can I be kind? Can I just like, you know, it's so, yeah, you can a- always be kind.
1: Awesome. Real Ray yeah. Morris, thanks for your time.
0: Thanks, Matt. And that's a wrap.
1: That's a wrap. <laughs>